A Shifting Spectrum of Grey, a Good Omens fan fiction, written by Penrose Sun, read by God of Laundry Baskets. It's rated explicit with no archive warnings. Pairing Aziraphale Crowley. Part One The funny thing about unspoken arrangements was that the rules always seemed to shift over time. When Crowley and Aziraphale had started, it was strictly professional and incredibly rare. Their planned stalemates were only for the worst assignments, the long, drawn-out messes guaranteed to make both of them miserable. And they didn't cover for each other. Ever. That was a line too far, and they knew, by unspoken agreement, that such a thing would always be out of the question. And then, one day it wasn't. Although Aziraphale could never quite pinpoint when that day was. First they couldn't cover for each other, and then they could. But only for small jobs, simple temptations, and minor moments of divine inspiration. Nothing serious. And then sometimes they went out for dinner after a job. But they never visited socially. A few decades later, middling temptations and minor miracles were on the table. A dozen souls here and there, a few local community leaders. They could talk politics and books and music. House calls were fine, but only on occasion. There was no corrupting priests, no saving murders, and certainly no heart-to-hearts. By the time they were dividing up cities between them and staying long into the night, well, the thing was that there wasn't even a moment you could point to when it happened. There was just a shifting spectrum of gray, never quite addressed, leading from there to here without any break or pause or turn or transformation. They never needed to reassess things because everything worked, and they never needed to clarify because every step had just flowed seamlessly from the one before it. And so, Aziraphale was blindsided when it all very suddenly changed. It was after one of those long, wonderful evenings that they were allowed now, by their unspoken arrangement. Dinner at one of Aziraphale's favorite restaurants. Honestly, I'd come here just for this Bordeaux. And then an opera. The Queen of the Night was excellent, I'd buy my soul for that voice. And then a long walk back through the park. Marvelous weather tonight. You sure you didn't miracle it? It had been a perfect evening, Aziraphale thought. Just perfect. He almost hated to say goodbye. And then Crowley had kissed him and said that he loved him. And... Aziraphale barely had time to pull away and slam the door behind him before the solid ground that they'd built over the last millennium gave out beneath his feet.
The worst part, Aziraphale thought, was that it didn't make any sense. It hadn't followed from anything, and that was how things worked between them. That was how it had always worked from the very beginning. Why change it? Why change it now? Aziraphale was pacing. He'd been pacing for about a solid week, in fact. He'd started as soon as Crowley had left. Well, almost as soon as Crowley had left. First, he spent a couple of hours sitting with his back against the door in a near panic, and then he'd tried to calm his nerves with some tea, and then he started pacing, one foot in front of the other, back and forth, and never really going anywhere. The two of them had always had something rather like that, too, Aziraphale thought. It was safe, and it was undefined. They never had to worry about anything because they never had been going anywhere. They'd just been killing time and enjoying themselves. And why would Crowley have to ruin it all like that? What was his motive? Six thousand years of friendship, down the tubes in an instant. But no, that isn't quite right, is it? He realized. They'd barely been friends for a thousand years, and, if he was being honest, they'd only been close friends for maybe a couple hundred. And there had to have been other lines crossed before, hadn't there? He remembered the early days, the terse words and empty threats, uncompromised virtue and unrepentant vice, and nothing between them at all. He'd have been as horrified then to see himself in recent years as he was now at this new development, except he never had been before, somehow. Raise the temperature slowly, boil the frog. And the thing about unspoken arrangements was, they weren't really arrangements at all. Aziraphale laughed, even though there was nothing funny at all about any of it, and slumped into an armchair in his study. So, very well then. He'd been played, obviously. But the question still remained. Why? What could Crowley have possibly gotten out of this? There was the kiss, of course. Crowley had said a bizarre and unlikely thing. Aziraphale had been distracted, and Crowley had gotten a kiss out of it. But no, that was both too obvious and too simple-minded. Crowley could kiss anyone, and Aziraphale knew better than to think he had any skills or features which set him apart in that area. And anyway, why say that he loved him? That was the real crux of it. The kiss had been unexpected, but they'd kissed before, when social custom had required it. If all Crowley wanted to do was distract him, he could have said any damned thing. Why love? Crowley didn't actually love him, of course. A demon loving an angel? The very thought was absurd. So why lie about it? Why pick the one thing... That would turn everything on its head and make Aziraphale suddenly question every single bloody interaction they'd ever had. A millennium ago, he would have assumed that that was the whole point. That Crowley was doing this purely because of the meltdown he knew it would give Aziraphale. But 
to his credit. Aziraphale dispensed with that notion almost immediately. Crowley could be obnoxious and irreverent and petty, but one thing he was definitely not was cruel. He wouldn't toy with Aziraphale like that. Not for this. And so, what would he toy with you for? came the obvious next thought. You're already friends. You already have the arrangement. What else do you have that a demon could possibly want? It hit him rather suddenly and with complete clarity. Love was out of the question. That much was certain. But lust. Ah, so this had been a seduction after all, then just not one of the cosmic, moral sort that he'd originally suspected. Aziraphale groaned and planted his face firmly in his hands. Oh, he was so stupid. He'd thought back through the centuries, and yes, Crowley had always been looking at him, hadn't he? Always eyeing him, sizing him up, he'd thought, back when they were enemies, but maybe... Well, clearly not. And he'd thought that they were friends. No, that thought was nonsense, and Aziraphale shoved it away almost forcefully. He and Crowley were friends, and maybe that hadn't been Crowley's original motive, but that didn't change the objective reality of what they'd built over the years. You couldn't just fake that, not for this long, and this recent development didn't need to change anything. He'd just have to tell Crowley how he felt, firmly put an end to his apparent advances, and that would be that. They'd carry on as they had before. Pr probably. Hopefully. He tried the words on in his mind, and they felt awkward and wrong. So, Crowley, I've recently realized that you've been trying to seduce me, and I'd just like to make it clear that I have absolutely no interest in... in... Aziraphale could picture it clearly, uncomfortably clearly. Crowley pressing him into a wall somewhere, savaging his mouth and neck with biting kisses. Crowley bending him over a table, panting into his ear, fingers twisting into his hair, skin slapping against skin, stifled moans. It would be brutal, no doubt, and passionate, and... and... Aziraphale swallowed hard. He'd always assumed that he had no interest in sex. Angels didn't, generally speaking, and, well, he'd certainly never indulged before, had never even really fantasized about such things. But now that he knew that Crowley wanted him that way, a whole host of possibilities suddenly unfolded before him. Could he... Well, obviously he could, but sh should he really? Wouldn't it be improper to? But sex wouldn't be the first human pleasure he'd indulged in, and he couldn't really see what harm could come from it. And Crowley... Well, Crowley was a demon, yes, but in a way that 
made it even less of a problem, since the only angelic body he'd be defiling would be his own. And he... he trusted Crowley, too. Crowley wouldn't take advantage of him, wouldn't force him into more than he was comfortable with, surely. And he wouldn't have to worry about their friendship collapsing if he went ahead and met Crowley halfway either. No need for an awkward rejection if he just... Hmm. Xerophel got up and made himself some cocoa. Clearly, he had a lot to think about before he saw the demon again. Crowley, for his part, had spent the past few weeks feeling like an idiot. He hadn't thought that a kiss would be pushing it, not when they'd been heading in that direction since Shakespeare or before, but he honestly should have known better. This was a zero fell for, for someone's sake. The angel got skittish about hand-holding. Of course a kiss had been too much. But all but disappearing for this long was a bad sign, even for Aziraphale. Crowley had spent the time cycling through a horrible mix of denial, self-doubt, and mostly inward-directed frustration. By the time his tenth calling card had gone unreturned, he was completely convinced that he'd made a horrible misstep and was hell-bent on figuring out exactly what it was and fixing it as soon as possible. Three weeks was more than just skittishness. Aziraphale wouldn't have spent three full weeks holed up in his bookstore and dodging his calls just because Crowley had been a bit too forwards after an especially nice date. For Aziraphale to be avoiding him to this extent didn't just mean that the kiss had been unexpected. Clearly, it meant that the kiss had been unwanted. Completely unwanted at that. Well, if Aziraphale didn't want to kiss him, then that was fine. Crowley didn't need to kiss Aziraphale, and he'd certainly avoid doing so again if it made the angel this uncomfortable. It was Aziraphale's company that he really wanted. Aziraphale's smile as they left the opera together. His laughter when they joked. That look of utter bliss as he indulged in a bite of whatever it was they'd ordered for dessert. He wanted to make the angel happy. Not just go through the motions of some human romance because they were expected. So no kissing then. And maybe no hand-holding either, just to be on the safe side? Done and done. How did he communicate that to Aziraphale without making the whole situation even more awkward? He practiced the possible words under his breath on the way over to Aziraphale's bookshop. Hey, Aziraphale, sorry about before. Won't happen again? Take you to dinner? No, too flippant. Dress it up a little. Mm. I just wanted to humbly apologize for- Humbly? <laughs> what the ever-loving- Aziraphale, I'm sorry I kissed you, and it won't happen again unless you wanted to, but no expectations there. I just really like being around you, and oh my god, I sound like a desperate ass. No magical phrasing presented itself to Crowley before he arrived. 
which was as expected as it was frustrating. It was always like this. No matter how much time he thought about what he was going to say, or obsessed about the myriad of ways a conversation might go, it always just came down to him winging it in the end. Well, nothing for it but to push forwards. He knocked on the door. Crowley didn't expect an answer, since he hadn't gotten one in nearly a month. The knock was meant more as a warning than anything else. He set to miracling the lock without really even waiting, and was quite startled when the door swung open of its own accord. Crowley, said Aziraphale, and he was smiling. Oh, perfect timing. I was just about to call on you. The last of Crowley's desperate attempts at phrasing evaporated from his mind. Really? He said, and then coughed and quickly schooled his features into something less surprised and hopefully less revealing. I, well, um, perfect timing, then. Fuck, wait, he literally just said perfect timing, Crowley screamed within his own mind as soon as the words left his mouth. But Aziraphale only smiled and said, Certainly so, dear. And then added with a gesture, do come in. Crowley nodded and awkwardly made his way inside. The bookstore was the same as it had always been, although Aziraphale had clearly made some recent additions. Three new volumes were prominently displayed on one of the central shelves. When Aziraphale saw Crowley glancing at them, he spoke excitedly. Oh, I haven't had a chance to tell you about those, have I? Crowley shook his head. I don't think so. Oh, well, I was finally able to pick up the copies of the Judas Bible and the Peacemaker Bible, and the Wife Beater's Bible, of course, but strictly speaking, that one was a buyback. You remember that dreadful customer I had a decade or two ago? Twisted my arm until I was forced to sell just to keep up appearances? Crowley nodded. Well continued Aziraphale. It turns out that his idiot son recently inherited his entire collection. I was able to buy back my book as well as the two others. All I need now is the Standing Fishes Bible and I'll have a complete set. It, uh, it sounds like you've been busy lately, said Crowley lamely, and then instantly regretted it as Aziraphale's face fell. Ah, uh, I, um, he stuttered. I suppose that, well, there was an awkward silence. I just wanted to say that I'm, Crowley finally blurted, at the same time as Aziraphale said, Would you like to go to the Wiltons? They both paused. Oh, I'm terribly sorry, said Aziraphale. What did you want to say? Oh, said Crowley, floundering. Um, no, it's nothing. What did... I just thought maybe we could go for dinner? Oysters are only in season for a little while longer, and... I'd love to, Crowley said, perhaps too quickly. Excellent, said Aziraphale, and the smile was back. 
radiant as anything. And, well, if that was how Aziraphale wanted to play things, then Crowley certainly wasn't going to object. It was an easy walk over to the Wiltons, and, surprising Crowley tremendously, it was an even easier dinner. He ordered wine and very little else for himself, as usual, and, as usual, Aziraphale compensated by ordering most of the available menu. But far from the carefully neutral meeting which Crowley had expected, given the kiss, given the silence, and given everything else, Aziraphale was as warm and friendly as ever. More so, in fact. It typically took the better part of an evening and a good deal more alcohol for the angel to be this free with his affections. Aziraphale had thought about a recent production at the Theatre Royale and was eager to compare notes if Crowley had seen it. He had a hilarious update on his most recent blessing. He wanted to know how Crowley's latest scheme had panned out, said outright that he hoped it had gone off the way Crowley thought it would, even. It wasn't merely that Aziraphale was pretending that the last few weeks hadn't happened, as Crowley had assumed back in the bookshop. It was like Aziraphale was actively trying to compensate for them. And that was... Hmm. On one hand, Crowley was a firm believer in letting sleeping dogs lie. Whenever Aziraphale had chosen to repress something in the past, Crowley found it had worked best to simply let him. But on the other hand, this screw-up was his, not Aziraphale's, and the thought that Aziraphale might think otherwise made something in Crowley's gut twitch uncomfortably. By the time Aziraphale had polished off the last of his dessert, Crowley had made up his mind. He'd apologize, he'd explain, and then, hopefully, they'd go back to pretending that nothing had happened. But only after he had clarified things a little bit with Aziraphale, and convinced him that whatever this was, it was thoroughly unnecessary. It was a sound plan all around, the only flaw in it being that Crowley had no idea how exactly he was supposed to clarify things. But he was honestly no worse off in that respect than he had been when he'd knocked on Aziraphale's door earlier that day. Drinks back at the bookshop failed to afford the necessary inspiration for the task, but they did inspire the courage— and after a good deal more alcohol than was really wise for a serious conversation, Crowley seized the moment. Aziraphale, he said, and in his rush to affect confidence, it came out somewhat harsher than he'd intended. I think maybe we should talk about... about what happened after the opera. Ah, said Aziraphale. He paused for a moment, then drained his glass. Yes, to, um, to tell the truth, I'd been hoping to talk about that, too. Then, before Crowley had the chance to say much of anything, Aziraphale set his glass down rather firmly on the table and made a quite deliberate move into the demon's personal space. Right, said Crowley, and he tried not to sound as thrown as he felt. Well, look, I just wanted to make it absolutely clear that... Aziraphale 
was very near to him now, practically pressed up against him. Crowley felt himself trailing off, floundering. Um, Angel? I figured it out, said Aziraphale, and maybe Crowley was just imagining it, but it almost seemed like there was a tremor in his voice, a hint of uncertainty, although his posture betrayed nothing of the kind. All the, um, the outings, the social calls, I'll admit that I've been quite slow on picking it up, but I see what you are doing now, Crowley. You, uh, asked Crowley, suddenly not at all sure what was going on. And, and I've made up my mind, said Aziraphale. And then, before Crowley had a chance to ask what Aziraphale had made up his mind about, the angel was kissing him. It wasn't like their first kiss had been, not even remotely. That kiss had been short and sweet, barely a peck, just a tender moment stolen before they parted. This kiss, though, Aziraphale kissed him with purpose, rough and open-mouthed, with almost a frantic edge to it. Crowley could only ride along, letting himself be swept up in it like a wave. But no, this didn't make any sense, not when Aziraphale had. When Aziraphale pulled away slightly for breath, Crowley pulled all the way away. Um, Aziraphale, what? Aziraphale made a vague, annoyed sound in the back of his throat. Oh, really, Crowley? There's no need for that. I said I made up my mind, and I mean it. About... Well, said Aziraphale, the, um, the kissing, of course, and what comes after it. It seems entirely reasonable that we should, so there's no need to be coy about it. The... Crowley started, feeling very stupid and incredibly lost. The kissing? And what comes after it? Aziraphale hastily added, like he was worried that Crowley hadn't heard the first time. I'd be perfectly amenable. Okay, uh, said Crowley carefully extracting himself and scooting just a bit away from Aziraphale, just to give him some space. Surely they should be having this conversation with a little more space between them, maybe? Not that I'm not, I mean, um, when I kissed you before. And the thing is, I actually planned to say that I didn't, or, well, I did, but if you didn't, that is... He was babbling, which was bad, and Aziraphale was looking at him funny, which was worse. Crowley swallowed hard, then mumbled out, It's just a bit of a sudden change, is all, given how we left things. Ah, said Aziraphale, and then he looked away, and Crowley saw a very distinct blush coloring his cheeks, which somehow was even more unexpected than the kiss had been. Yes, you did take me somewhat off guard, I'll admit. I did some thinking, and, well, humans certainly seem to enjoy it. Kissing? 
asked Crowley, and his voice came out a little bit too high. Sex, said Aziraphale simply, and his tone was steady, although he was still looking at some fascinating piece of floor. It's, well, I haven't before, of course, so you'll forgive me for my inexperience, but I don't see anything inherently sinful in finding pleasure with another person, and I do enjoy your company tremendously. So, yes, that is to say I'd thought about it and I'd be more than willing to try that with you. You want to have sex? asked Crowley, and the words felt sort of ridiculous and unreal. With me! Aziraphale nodded. You've, um, you've done it before, haven't you? With humans, I mean. Crowley had, of course, once, just to get a taste of it. Well, twice, actually, but that was only because humans insisted on having multiple types of anatomy. And the fact that he'd only ever bothered to sample the commonest two pretty much accurately described how much he'd liked it. It was okay, he supposed. He hadn't hated it, certainly. Could even sort of see why humans chased after it the way they did, if he extrapolated. But it wasn't... Well, it just wasn't his sort of thing, and he was fine with that. It had honestly never occurred to Crowley that Aziraphale might have been nursing some sort of interest of his own. He knew that angels could, of course. Some even did. The Nephilim, in particular, had a bit of a reputation for it. But Aziraphale had always been so fussy, so wary of even platonic physical contact. The whole ways of the flesh thing sounded pretty far from his speed, for multiple reasons. Except, now that Crowley thought about it, it did actually make some level of sense. Aziraphale had always delighted in humans, and he'd indulged in most of the other human passions over the years. He was cautious, yes, and at times extremely inhibited, but also something of a sensualist. Crowley thought back to the way that Aziraphale had laughed up oysters for dinner that evening, and the sounds he'd made as he polished off his dessert. It seemed bizarrely obvious in hindsight. Crowley, Aziraphale prompted, and Crowley realized that he'd let the pause stretch on too long. He swallowed hard, and then abruptly and forcibly came to a decision, which was, screw it. If Aziraphale was into that, then he could certainly be too. Yes, I have, said Crowley, meeting Aziraphale's gaze. And, uh... If you're sure that you... I am. Then I'd be happy to share that with you. Oh, excellent, said Aziraphale, and a layer of tension that Crowley hadn't even noticed seemed to lift from his shoulders. I have a flat upstairs, you know, and it has a bed and everything. So if you'd like, we could... 
go upstairs and put the Pope in Rome? Aziraphale scoffed. <laughs> put the devil in hell is the better euphemism, I should think. You can't have me both in hell and your bed, Angel, said Crowley. And then, before he had time to start having second thoughts, he added, Lead on. They were kissing again, almost as soon as the bedroom door shut behind them, and it was so easy that Crowley relaxed almost to the point of forgetting what they'd come up here to do. Kissing Gaziraphale was, well, divine would be too much of a cliché, he supposed, but what else could he call it? He pulled the angel close to him, marveled at how perfectly they fit together, and then Aziraphale's fingers twisted up in his hair as he did something exceptionally clever with his tongue, and oh dear Satan, Crowley was lost, so incredibly lost for him. When he hit the edge of the bed, Crowley startled and tripped, almost bringing Aziraphale with him as he tumbled backwards onto the bedding. Oh dear, are you? asked Aziraphale. I'm fine, Angel, said Crowley, and then he couldn't say anything more because Aziraphale was kissing him again, and, oh, this was different. This was very different. Lying on his back like this, the solid weight of Aziraphale pressing him into the sheets, Crowley was suddenly intensely aware of where this was all leading. Aziraphale was still lavishing his mouth with kisses, but his hands were roaming now, and there was Satan. Crowley could feel the outline of a cock through Aziraphale's trousers, pressing hard into his thigh as the angel moved against him. Crowley, Aziraphale whispered into his ear, I think, I think perhaps we are wearing entirely too much clothing. Oh, right, clothing. Crowley snapped, and their clothes vanished in an instant. Aziraphale burst out laughing. <laughs> well, I suppose that's one way to do it, Aziraphale said. My, you're eager. They kissed again, long and passionate, and then Aziraphale reached between their bodies to... to... Crowley abruptly manifested the first genitals that sprang to mind and didn't even fully realize what he'd selected until Aziraphale pulled back slightly. Oh, said Aziraphale. I didn't expect... I can switch if you don't like it, Crowley said quickly. No, no, said Aziraphale. I, um, whatever you feel comfortable with is fine. Should I... Whatever you like said Crowley, and meant it, despite the nerves. He was quickly realizing that he didn't have the first clue what he was doing with any of this, but he'd always fancied himself a quick study, and there were some things he must have picked up from those few times before, surely. Some technique, or even just the basic mechanics of it, a memory of what came next, of what to do with these parts. Xerophel's hands were tracing his inner thighs with a curiosity that Crowley was used to seeing applied to a dessert or to a painting, but never to him. His fingers dipped close, ghosting over Crowley's newly formed labia, 
and Crowley gasped suddenly, unable to recall anything at all from before, anything he'd done, anything that had ever been done to him. Do you, do you like that? Aziraphale asked on a breath. Crowley nodded immediately, although, in truth, he wasn't exactly sure. It was so much, almost too much, a rush of sensation that he wasn't used to feeling and didn't have the slightest clue how to process. He had vague recollections, a breath in his ear, a woman's voice telling him to relax, just relax, just let it happen naturally, your body knows what to do. This was different. This was a Xerophel, and he couldn't afford to be hesitating like this, not when the angel had asked him for something this intimate, not when a Xerophel finally seemed to openly want him. He pulled a Xerophel close and kissed him, and it did feel natural. It felt right, and he let that carry him forward as he began to explore a Xerophel's body with his own hands. He trailed his fingers down over Aziraphale's side and then along the angel's plump thighs, down, then upwards again, towards the full cock, which Aziraphale currently sported. He wrapped a hand around it tentatively, and Aziraphale gasped into his mouth, a hand he had on Crowley's own effort stuttering in response. Crowley smiled. Maybe this corporation didn't have the instincts of a proper human, but he could do this. He tightened his grip and stroked with the confidence he wished he had. Crowley, Aziraphale whined, and his own fingers worked in response, the gentle touches becoming firmer, heavier. He slipped downwards, inwards. Oh, God, Crowley, you're so wet. Am I? said Crowley, and immediately felt like an idiot for asking. But Aziraphale clearly took it for flirting rather than an honest question, because he gasped again and kissed him, sliding his fingers even deeper. Crowley quickened his own strokes in response, and Aziraphale's body tensed, his back arcing in pleasure before he pulled away. Oh, wait, Crowley, oh, Crowley, if you keep doing that, I'll... Come, said Crowley, right here right like this, just from my hand. He moved his hand again, just slightly, and Aziraphale physically grabbed his arm to stop him. Don't you want... The angel started, his voice breathy and wrecked. Oh, Crowley, I'm so close. If you want me to... That is, if we're going to... Do you want that angel? He asked, his own voice barely a whisper in Aziraphale's ear. Do you want to take me? Make love to me? Yes, gasped Aziraphale. Oh, please, Crowley. Crowley took a deep and steadying breath and guided Aziraphale into himself. Too late, Crowley realized that he'd never actually done this, that he'd only ever been on the other side of the equation with these parts, and that he had no idea at all what to do now that Aziraphale was buried deep inside him. But then Aziraphale began to move, and nothing else seemed to matter. He gasped out the angel's name, arcing his own back into the mattress, and Aziraphale took him, thrusting into him, fucking him into the bed. He kissed him on the mouth, 
on his collar, on his chest, and was almost surprised when he realized he was close, too, that his own body was responding in kind. Crowley, moaned Aziraphale. Oh, Crowley, I'm going to... Crowley's orgasm hit him like a runaway carriage. He tumbled into it, head over heels, his body tensing and spasming around where they were joined. Aziraphale followed him almost immediately, spilling into him with a strangled moan, and then collapsing boneless on top of him. They lay there for a while, a tangle of limbs. They lay there for a while, a tangle of limbs, both catching their breaths. Crowley marveled at Aziraphale's soft curves, the way his breast rose and fell in the afterglow, the incredible look of contentment on his face. He ran his fingers through the angel's hair, and Aziraphale sighed deep against him. Oh, God, I love you so much, he mumbled into Aziraphale's skin. Aziraphale tensed immediately, which should have been a warning, but Crowley was too pleasantly blurry at the moment to worry. Oh, right, sorry, Satan, not God, or, well, somebody, whatever. Aziraphale pulled away from him slightly. You really shouldn't say that. Sure, right, no blaspheming after fornication, said Crowley vaguely. I love you, Angel. Ignore the rest. Aziraphale pulled away completely then, a sharp movement that shattered Crowley out of the post-orgasmic fog. Crowley, don't! Sorry? asked Crowley, sitting up slightly. Don't what? Don't say that you love me, Crowley, said Aziraphale and it was the firmness in his voice which really did it, the hard and final way he said the words. Please never say it again. Crowley felt the floor fall out from under them. Why shouldn't I say I love you? he asked carefully. Aziraphale rolled his eyes, and Crowley suddenly felt very small. Well, it's ridiculous for a start, Aziraphale said, and honestly, rather insulting. Insulting, Crowley repeated, his face slack with shock. Well, yes, obviously, Aziraphale snapped. What sort of idiot do you take me for, Crowley? Why, why is it insulting? Aziraphale, he said, and he could feel himself spinning out as he did so. Unquestioned assumptions stopped short, smashing into each other in a line. He looked up at Aziraphale and met his gaze, saw the frustration and annoyance and hurt there, but for the life of him, couldn't understand why. Aziraphale must have seen his searching confusion because he sighed and then clarified. Look, just, you don't need to say that sort of thing anymore. And frankly, you didn't need to in the first place. I rather wish you hadn't, to tell the truth. It's a needless complication, and we ought to be able to sleep together just fine without either of us having to pretend this is something it isn't. 
I'm sorry, said Crowley, almost tripping over his words, but not sure what else he could say. There were pieces sliding quickly, horribly into place, too fast for him to keep up with them. It was like he'd just been socked in the stomach, but so hard that he hadn't noticed yet. Yes, well, said Aziraphale, still rather huffily. I forgive you. Just please don't do it again, will you? I won't, Crowley said immediately, numb. Good, said Aziraphale. I'm glad we cleared that up. They sat like that for an awkward moment, and the seconds dragged on like years. Should I? started Crowley, finally. He hated the way his voice sounded, tight and vulnerable, ready to fall apart. He coughed and tried again. <coughs> Can I, uh, stay the night? Aziraphale looked at him like he'd never even considered that, and Crowley instantly regretted asking with every fiber of his being. Oh, Aziraphale said. Yes, of course. I'm sorry, dear. I didn't realize how late it had gotten. Of course you can stay. The relief was instantaneous. Crowley was still reeling and still trying to assemble the pieces in his mind. But this was something. This was good. He could work with this. They'd sleep together tonight, and then they could talk it out in the morning. Maybe over breakfast? Crepes. They could go for crepes and then talk it out, and everything would be fine. You can take the bed, of course, continued Aziraphale, and Crowley's blood ran cold. It's not like I was really planning to sleep anyways. Oh, said Crowley, stupidly. Right. Aziraphale didn't bother dressing the human way, miracling his clothes on with a snap. And Crowley, lying there in a pile of the angel's dirty linens, suddenly felt very naked and very alone. This really was an excellent idea, dear boy, Aziraphale said from somewhere far away. I wouldn't mind if we do it again sometime. Crowley nodded vaguely. Sometime, of course. Wonderful said Aziraphale. Well, I should really be getting back to my books. Right, said Crowley, to Aziraphale's already retreating back. The door to the flat closed, rather unceremoniously, behind him. And then the angel was gone. The End Part One